It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We got another one of those weeks where Joe and I are working split schedules, so this week you'll get a couple split shows. Today we're doing mailbags. You got a mailbag for Joe in segment two and a mailbag with me in segment three. And of course, I'm opening the show here. I'm going to catch you up on the latest news and notes, and they're all just notes of despair for the Bengals this season has just been a rough, rough season all year. Doesn't get much better this week, but the Cincinnati Bengals have some injuries and some announced starters for Week 5 when they host the Arizona Cardinals, and that's where we'll start today. The biggest news out of Cincinnati today is not good news. John Ross, who suffered a shoulder injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers, will land on the injured reserve. The corresponding move, the Bengals called up Stanley Morgan, signing him off the practice squad. The Bengals' receiving core at this point looks like Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, Alex Erickson, and two undrafted free agents, Damian Willis and Stanley Morgan. To their credit, Zach Taylor did say that this group of undrafted receivers, which at the time included Ventel Bryant, was the best group of undrafted receivers he had ever been around in his time in the NFL. That doesn't mean that they're going to replace John Ross and A.J. Green, two first-round picks for the Bengals, who will not be available for eight weeks in the case of John Ross at a minimum, and A.J. Green has already been ruled out for this week. That's all the speed that the Bengals really had in the receiving core, and it wouldn't surprise me if this group of receivers for the Bengals is the slowest wide receiver group in the NFL on Sunday. The only player out of this group that offers any sort of rare speed is Alex Erickson, and he's only ever really been recorded getting up to that speed on a kickoff return. Andy Dalton's life will continue to be difficult. Michael Jordan will remain the starting left guard after having one of the worst pass-blocking performances I can ever remember from a left guard. And unfortunately, Cordy Glenn has regressed. After being a limited participant in practice on Thursday and Friday last week with the modified practice schedule for a Monday night game, he didn't practice at all on Saturday, which is a slower day for the Bengals, less speed, less contact. And then he didn't practice at all today either, which was said to also be a walkthrough day. So Cordy Glenn, not going to play this week. AJ Green, not going to play this week. John Ross, out for at least eight weeks. 
The injuries keep on piling up for the offense, and that's now five of their best or most dynamic players on that side of the ball that have missed or will miss significant time this season, counting Jonah Williams and Clint Bowling's retirement among those. That's a tough start for Zach Taylor in this offense, and Andy Dalton starting to show some cracks after taking eight sacks in Pittsburgh. On to some good news. Today, like I said, was said to be a walkthrough practice, but all those guys that have missed the last two weeks, Ryan Glasgow, Carl Lawson, B.W. Webb, who came back last week, and Kerry Wynn, who still is in the concussion protocol, were all full participants in practice today, being Wednesday. In addition to Webb, Carlos Dunlap, and Andre Smith, along with Sean Williams, are listed on the injury report. They were all full participants today, and we'll have to keep an eye on them tomorrow to see how they hold up when they get back to full speed. Carlos Dunlap has a knee injury listed. Sean Williams also has a knee injury listed, and Andre Smith is apparently nursing a sore hamstring. Andre Smith isn't great at left tackle, but there is certainly a downgrade possible if you're talking about John Jerry playing a full game of snaps at left tackle. As we shift our focus to Arizona Cardinals week, we look across the line at what pass rushers Arizona is bringing to the table, and we'll see familiar face Terrell Suggs, who's off to a strong start to the season with 16 total pressures and four sacks through four games for the Cardinals, and former Patriot Chandler Jones, who has 18 total pressures to go along with three sacks. Jordan Hicks is a linebacker that Joe and I wanted the Bengals to sign last offseason, He's been a productive pass rusher, and he's blitzing quite a bit. He's got six pressures, and the other linebacker blitzing a lot for Arizona, Hassan Reddick, has seven pressures. So we'll have to see if Arizona keeps that blitz up against Dalton, who's historically been pretty good against the blitz. In the secondary, the Cardinals counter the Bengals' depleted receiving core without Patrick Peterson, who's serving a six-game suspension. But Byron Murphy and Chris Jones have both been solid back there along with some limited play from Kevin Peterson and safety Buda Baker, who's questionable, but has been good to start the season. DJ Swearinger is the other safety for the Cardinals, and if the Bengals find a way to pick on him, you feel a lot better. He's given up 153 yards and three touchdowns on just 15 targets so far this year. Looks like the Cardinals also have a vulnerability in coverage at the linebacker position, but to this point this year, the Bengals haven't been able to take advantage of that space on the field very well. The Bengals will get to face another new quarterback this week, too. Mason Rudolph coming in his second career start. They'll get rookie Kyler Murray's fifth career start. But the challenge for the Bengals will be containing him, especially his legs, as the Arizona receiving core is also banged up. We'll find out if the Bengals come out of this game with their first win of the season. Somebody has to. Another matchup of winless teams for the Bengals in Week 5. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up? Or keep walking. Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit 
Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as Jake and I have conflicting schedules, it'll be me answering some questions for you guys today in this segment. And I did it because I think we're at a bit of a crossroads in in the season and in the evaluation season, or as as I said last week, we entered that portion of fun. And now we're kind of questioning which players are here for the long haul. You know, who's going to be here again when this team is ready to go? Uh, Which coaches should be here? I've got a lot of questions about that. got a lot of questions, and I'll start with this one, is um, how do you go about drafting a quarterback, right? Is this we should build a great team first and then draft a quarterback, or do you take advantage of the opportunity if this team ends up picking top three and take your guy then and fill the rest of the positions later? Which, if you can tell by my response right there and phrasing the question, uh, it's that. If you have the opportunity to draft a guy, you draft him and you use your second, third-round pick to fill out the offensive line. You dip into free agency, God willing. Uh, you have two, three years down the line. You let Ryan Finley or Andy Dalton take the beating behind a bad O-line until it, it, it's time or or the young guy is ready or the old line is ready. So I won't spend too much time on that. We'll, we've got a lot of time to talk quarterback and drafting. So from there, I'm going to start with TJ Booker's question on Twitter at Amoth, and I believe that I'm saying that right. There's two M's there, but he says... I've always thought the DN should set the edge. Where do the linebackers fit in setting the edge? Because we don't set the edge until eight yards downfield. And he's talking about the recent, especially I think against the uh, 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday. It was it was evident, right? They were struggling going horizontal. And now teams are going to do that because the Bengals linebackers are slow, because the corners aren't tackling right now and really aren't good tacklers probably overall. Uh, but also because they're having issues setting the edge. And a lot of that is usually the, the defensive end. So you got to think if you're running to the right and you're running towards Carlos Dunlap, Dunlap wants to take that tight end or that, that right tackle, and he wants to get his head to the outside. He wants to frame himself to the outside and force the running back to say, well, I can't cut to the outside here. i got to cut it up back inside, and it's going to go to the linebacker, defensive tackle, or the safety that may be coming down the alley there. So I, I think uh, that's what we expect most of the time. There are other situations where you're blitzing maybe a nickel corner and he's he's the one setting the edge. The linebacker's crashing down and setting the edge and your, and your defensive end is, is dipping inside. You can do that with a safety. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Obviously, you're not going to do it the same every time. But typically, when we think of setting the edge, we're thinking of defensive ends doing it. And it, it's surprising right now. I went to look at Sam Hubbard because I noticed Hubbard a lot on Monday night, not being able to set the edge. And I remember seeing the same thing against the 49ers. And it seems he's peeking inside just a little bit too much and getting washed out. I went and looked at PFF grades because I wasn't sure. I was like, is this a full season thing? And versus uh, the Seahawks and versus Buffalo, he's got a 75 and an 80 grade, respectively, and, and run defense. But against San Fran and Pittsburgh, it's a 35 and a 61 
and bringing his total for the year at just under 63 at 62.8 and run defense, which Hubbard was a really good run defender last year. He was a 68 last year, 69 almost. So he's dropped there. He's actually dropped in almost every category. He has dropped in every category this year for the Bengals, at, despite um, flashing that first game. So it's not all on Sam Hubbard, of course not. Uh, I'm just remembering that I did notice him a bunch on Monday night not being able to set that edge. And it's a big thing when we're talking about um, allowing running backs and, and tight ends and Jalen Samuels, whatever position he wants to play, uh, to get to the outside. It's that your edge guys have to set it, your corners have to tackle, your linebackers got to be able to scrape over the top and fill the hole and be able to run sideline to sideline. And they're not Bengals aren't doing any of that right now. So moving on to the next question. This is from Emperor Meow. I like that name. Uh, Hude FTW. How many years relative to how the Bengals operate, which is key in this question, right? We got to play within that sandbox. Do you honestly think it would take to complete a full rebuild? No free agency moves of significance. No trades in the draft with impact. Five to seven years? Indefinite? So this is more of a philosophical question, right? Because can the Bengals ever rebuild? Can they ever get to the point where we expect them to run like a franchise uh, that's capable of winning, that wants to win, if, they, if they're going to continue to do what they do? No, not, not realistically. Uh, but I do think if they draft the right quarterback, they got to get lucky, right? They got to draft in Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. And I know those guys only won one Super Bowl between them. Cam Newton, right? Number one, super talented and hasn't won a Super Bowl. The point is, is you draft those guys, you hope it rallies everyone else around them. It makes the rest of the team better. You can attract other free agents. You can attract coaches. You can attract players in wanting to stay in Cincinnati and continue to play for the Bengals, maybe for a little bit less guaranteed money, as we know that's an issue. Uh, so I think you do that, and I think you can rebuild the O-line pretty quickly. I would start with Jonah Williams and Trey Hopkins as my two guys. I'd lock down Trey Hopkins. I'd probably try to extend him now and get him for pretty cheap. I think out of Billy Price, Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan, or even maybe Alex Redman and John Miller, I think you can find one starting guard. It'd be awesome. I think you, you could find two out of that. Miller has had two good games, two bad games. Price, I still want to see him not get inserted in the final because, man, he got inserted versus the 49ers and the Steelers, and he got demolished both times. Maybe we should start him and let him go for a little bit and see how he does. Uh, and then maybe Jordan continues to develop because, as of right now, he's been horrific. And let's see what Alex Redman can do after four games or four weeks sitting on the bench. I'm, I'm interested again because everything else has been so poor. But if you can find one of those guys, I would target then O-line in the second and or in the third round. If you can grab a right tackle or, or a guard like this year, Dalton Reisner went right before them. They tried to trade up for Cody Ford. How would we feel right now if that wasn't Drew Sample? And instead we're inserting Cody Ford at guard or, or Dalton Reisner at left guard or uh, Ford at right tackle. We'd feel a lot better. So that's how I look at it and say, yes, you could turn it, down, turn it around pretty quickly if drafting correctly. That's always the key with the Bengals because that is their primary source of talent. Staying with that theme, next question comes from Jacko1181. He said, I'm sure you've discussed this on the podcast already, but what is the new dynamic with personnel? Does Duke Tobin lead and Zach and staff throw input in, more cooperative, Katie and Troy leading it, etc.? I think all of that is probably true. I, we don't ever get a firm grip or a clear picture of what's going on behind the scenes. We kind of have to take what they say, read between the lines a little bit, and look, keep our ear to the ground. And for like an example of why retain, retain Bobby Hart, right? Uh, you bring in Zach Taylor, he picks his O-line coach. O-line coach likes a certain type of guy, a bigger guy, a tough guy, even if they're not so good. 
uh, and you say, okay, well, we'd like to keep Bobby Hart and you know pay him to be our starter, that probably comes from the coaching staff. Now, the limitation there could be when they say, um, well, that's that's good, or or maybe they'll, oh, the coaching staff says to the front office, hey, can we afford a fifteen million dollar guy? And they say no. Okay, then we'll take Bobby Hart then. <laughs> you know, or it could work the other way where they say. Hey, we want this guy out in free agency. Oh, he's going to cost ten million. Never mind. Then we're we're not going to get him. We can't afford him. We're not going to pay him. Uh, so I, I think there is a dynamic there. It works together. Who does the coaching staff want? The GM is going to is going to scout and use his scouting department. The uh, really, I guess it's the Blackburns. They're going to say whether or not they can afford it, or, or or if they should afford it. And it's probably going to come down, and it's going to be an agreement together, from what it sounds like. So. I think that's a collective thing with one arm tied behind their back, as we say, because the Bengals seem to do that to themselves. Next question is from R. Will at RW. If they are starting over, who are the building blocks on the Bengals? I hesitate. Someone asked me this the other day because I, I didn't put Joe Mixon in there. And I say because he has one year left. This is year three already for Joe Mixon. And I know he's young, but paying a running back can be very risky. And we see right now, how much of an impact has Mixon made on any of these games so far? None. Maybe that's why they're on four, though, right? So uh, maybe he should touch the ball more. And if he does, then let's pay him and get a rookie quarterback in that you're not paying a lot that can offset some of the money or value you're wasting at running back because they're wasting Giovanni Bernard's contract, too. Uh, so Bengals are very wasteful at that position. Maybe you just keep drafting that position. But I think Tyler Boyd is definitely one of the guys I'm keeping. I've, you hope Jonah Williams is one of the guys you're keeping. I mentioned earlier I'd like to keep Trey Hopkins. He's still young enough. On the defensive side, I'm not sure Atkins is still a building block because of his age. Dunlap, probably not either, even though they'll probably be here for the next couple of years. Uh, I would like to say Carl Lawson, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, so I'm not going to include him the same way I wouldn't include John Ross. Uh, Sam Hubbard is solid, but I wouldn't stop drafting a defensive end because of Sam Hubbard, if you know what I mean. He's good, but... You can find an upgrade if one presents itself. Uh, definitely nothing at linebacker. I think in the secondary, I still want it to be Jesse Bates and William Jackson. They're not playing as good as we've seen them be able to play. I think that's the key here, right? Everyone's playing poor. They're 0-4. Can they play better? It's a question. Have we seen them play better? We definitely have seen those two play better. And I think that's what we hold on to as uh, if a good team is out there and everything's going right, we can still get a lot more out of those two players. And with that, that means what? I've got four guys, maybe five if we want to include Mixon. Not a lot of building blocks. That's why this uh, this rebuild could be quick or it could be uh, a few years down the road. A couple more here as we're hitting the 10-minute mark already. This one's from Jack Dammit at jburt555. Joe, if the Bengals sink to 0-8, maybe win a game or two, do you think they'll give their backups a real opportunity at quarterback? I do. I do think we could see Ryan Finley. you got to look at Andy Dalton. He's having... I know there's. I know the pieces around him are crumbling. I mean, now he doesn't have Ross or Green out there. Uh, they have a slow receiving core. They've got a poor offensive line. They can't get the running game going. It's no surprise that Andy Dalton is having the worst start of his career. Statistically, analytically, visually, it, it's not not great. And I think we could see Ryan Finley because of it. Because you let's like even if we're all in agreement that it's not all Dalton's fault, you insert somebody else and see what changes. Maybe it all goes even worse. And you say, okay, yeah, we know Ryan Finley's not that guy, or at least right now. But if you got some things that were better, it's going to make you reevaluate some things. Next one's from Larry B. Spicer. Joe, can you discuss the coaching staff possibilities? Anna Rumo, maybe Jim Turner being retained or fired, right? <laughs> I guess I'm kind of adding that last part in there. Uh, a lot of people have talked about 
Bill Callahan from the Redskins, that staff will probably be shredded at the end of this year. And I thought Bill Callahan was coming. Actually, I was told from a source when Brian Callahan signed that Bill Callahan was also coming. If you remember, at the time, Callahan was trying to get out of his contract with the Redskins and was unable to. I even thought at one point the Bengals could swap a pick with them for compensation. That did not happen. And instead, we got Jim Turner. So it makes me wonder, is Turner a rental? Is he a one-year guy? Because he's not good. <laughs> and Lou Anarumo and that whole staff, I'm getting weary of. I was at the time because they struggled to find three different guys they brought in. They they couldn't hire. They couldn't convince them. Um, some of them didn't want to scout the way Bengals coaching staff is asked to scout. So you kind of are, are picking based on limited resources there or limited opportunity or maybe just not a great fit. So I don't like so far what they've done on defense in terms of the zone blitz scheme and, and – uh, you know, really airing out a few players, I feel. I think that's a longer conversation. Maybe we'll take an episode on that this week at some point, especially if it continues. I think Anarumo should be looked at a little bit harder. Last question here from Garrett Wright. How small is our scouting department compared to the league average or a perennial successful team? Well, the uh, Eagles list 18 scouts on their website and under their um, staff page. So that's that's one of the larger, but... You know, usually you can see if you go to anyone's page, it's usually between 10 to 15. Uh, the Bengals list, I'll just go through it. Duke Tobin, director of player personnel. We all know him. He's basically enacting as the GM. Mike Potts, scouting director of college. Steven Radicevic is scouting director of pro players. So one guy is, is directing the college scouting. One guy is directing the pro scouting. That's if a guy gets cut, waivers, trades, anything like that, right? Free agents. And then Bill Tobin is a personnel executive. And then we have the two scouts, and it's Andrew Johnson and Christian Sarkeesian. And then you have some technology consultants and personnel assistants, and, I mean, that's it. So, I mean, you could really say people that are scouting, one, two, three, four, maybe five, under Duke Tobin. All right. (laughs) They say they don't need more voices in the room. They need the right voices. Well, I'd say that they seem to be understaffed just a little bit. And it's starting to show, I think. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, we're going to do one more question segment here, and this time it's going to be me taking some different questions from the kinds of questions Joe took. Some of them are similar. Some of them are going to be different. The first one I'm going to take today, Brian at Bartbo on Twitter asks, based on what has been put on tape by the Bengals, is there any reason to believe that the issues we've seen can be fixed with guys on the roster? Or is outside help the only answer at this point? I have seen nothing that suggests the linebackers on the roster right now can do what is required of an NFL defense to defend the run, to cover, to get sideline to sideline. We've now seen three weeks in a row teams just getting outside, getting horizontal, not worried at all that the linebackers are going to get there first. They know that they can beat that second level to the sideline. They know that this secondary isn't going to be the best tackling group. 
They know that if they get these linebackers or even some of the guys in the secondary in the open field, it's going to be easy to make them miss. These have been recurring themes for the Bengals this year. We saw it against Pittsburgh. We've seen it every week. Until it gets fixed, I have no reason to believe the guys on the roster can do it. And there's nothing you can really scheme if just three weeks in a row teams are gashing you horizontally. Talking about jet sweeps, toss plays, screens, just a bunch of plays where guys aren't fast enough either in recognition or foot speed to get there. You could probably cheat outside a little bit, but as soon as you start doing that, we saw Frank Gore gash the Bengals inside too. And Frank Gore doesn't have that elite foot speed, but he has great balance and he fit through some very small holes and the linebackers couldn't get their hands on him. The linebackers are the biggest issue to me on the defense. And then I have concerns about the pass rush, especially when Carl Lawson's out. Geno Atkins is aging. Carlos Dunlap, while he's a very solid player, is not an elite pass rusher at this point in his career. So there are a few things that will need to be addressed long term. They also need a corner to play with William Jackson. They probably need a slot corner unless Darquez Denard has a great year and decides he wants to come back after taking a one-year prove-it deal. I think the only place on defense where I feel solid for at least a couple more years is at safety where Sean Williams is good enough and Jesse Bates should be more than good enough, but he's even struggled this year as the Bengals have transitioned to a lot of odd coverages in the back end, cover one, cover three. And I think he's more of a cover two safety, but we'll see. He might just be adapting to this team is learning a third defense essentially in the last two years as they transition from a Terrell Austin system to Marvin Lewis, probably simpler system, to what looks like a fairly different, especially in the base and the back-end coverages, system that we're seeing from Lou Anarumo. Lou Anarumo is, is doing a lot of, like like Joe said a couple days ago, fire zone blitz kind of stuff, and it hasn't worked, and I don't think it does work, generally speaking, in the NFL at this point. So yeah, I think they need some help from the outside. I think they need to insert some athleticism at linebacker, whether that's through the draft or free agency. And they probably need to replace Luana Rumo next year. Somebody else asked a question, and I don't think I've got this to answer discreetly, but someone else asked, is there a realistic possibility that they let go of Jim Turner and Luana Rumo this year? And those are the units that have struggled the most, along with the linebacking core, so you could look at that position coach too. Next question comes from Jeebus Crust at Bengals Banter. Some fans are hypothesizing that this is a stealth tank due to things like Bobby Hart and Preston Brown being signed on deals that they could get out of. Mike Jordan starting over Billy Price. Can you add more evidence and then can you destroy our hopes after? Adding more evidence is tough unless you think AJ Green isn't really hurt and they're holding him out hoping to find a trade partner, but if he is to be traded, then I would think they would want to get him on the field and show that he's healthy and show that he's still effective and showcase those skills. Maybe John Ross isn't really hurt and they're trying to keep his value down, but again, with Ross, he's due for his fifth-year option and going on IR means, as Andre Perotis points out today, he probably won't get it. I struggle to see a ton of evidence that this is a stealth tank. Maybe that possibility exists that Zach Taylor was told you know what you have to go with these guys for one year give Andy Dalton one last chance we're not going to move on from Dalton yet you're going to do the best you can with the pieces on this team and he's trying to make it work with Andy Dalton but they can get out of Andy Dalton's contract too 
or they could just let him play for one more year, especially if they don't have the offensive line figured out yet while they draft a new quarterback this year. So that might be some evidence to support the tank. Maybe Zach Taylor was, you know, he's got a plan. Maybe it just doesn't start until next year. Brought in Jim Turner. Maybe he thought, I'll bring in somebody I know to get us through this year, and then we'll get Bill Callahan to come coach the offensive line next year, and we'll start to make some strides there, and we'll replace the defensive coordinator when we have a full offseason to take care of it. But the more likely story is that these coaches weren't first picks for a lot of teams for a reason. Zach Taylor has gone from quarterbacks coach straight to head coach, and that's a big leap. He's calling plays in the NFL for the full season for the first time, and he's struggling with it. He's got a learning curve. He seems to still be confident. He seems to still be saying a lot of the right things, but losing takes a toll on a team And you start to wonder how they will bounce back from this, if this is really the whole year. And so far, we really haven't seen many signs that this is not going to be what we see all year. Next question comes from Brandon Kuhn at Crandon Boone on Twitter. Which college QB prospect do you think would best fit the Zach Taylor scheme? Allo Rams, as Booger said 57 times. Yeah, that ESPN crew was brutal on Monday night, and I think I tweeted at the time, I'm just not going to watch another Bengals national primetime broadcast until, you know, something has changed because I'm real sick of the narratives, and I can't believe John Perry was part of that broadcast. I'll keep going back to that as long as I can. That was just awful. As far as which college QB prospect I think is the best fit, I am afraid That is Jake Fromm. This is a guy that can run a system, but he's not necessarily an elevator of talent. Fromm could be a very similar player to Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins. That whole breed of quarterback can do really well within the system, doesn't have the elite athleticism, elite arm strength, doesn't do a ton outside of the structure. Fromm's probably a little bit better prospect than Dalton was. But that's not who I want going forward. I'm sick of kind of living in this area of QB purgatory. I want it to be one of the guys that has the tools. If it's Tua, if it's Herbert, if it's you know Jordan Love or Burrow or even Eason, I think Eason probably needs another year at this point. But we'll see how the rest of his season goes. Burrow, we'll see how his season goes when they start to play some tougher teams. Somebody else asked, which quarterback do I want right now? And I don't know yet. It's way too early. We don't know what Burrow and, I mean, even even Jalen Hurts. We don't know what any of these guys are yet. So we'll have to wait and see. I hope it's one of those guys that can elevate talent, though, and work outside of the structure. I, I mean, honestly, the pipe dream is Tua, right? Because he can clearly function within the structure of a play. Great accuracy, great anticipation, great touch. But then he has legs and he can create outside of the play and he's been incredibly hyper-efficient, wildly. And Joe Burrow, I think, is somebody that we really need to pay attention to as the season bleeds on. Next question comes from Anthony Burns at AnthonyBurns82 on Twitter. One request, talk about the urgency to trade A.J. Green before the trade deadline. This one's tough. I think A.J. Green's value is probably at an all-time low to other NFL teams and his value to the Bengals, who 
ostensibly still want to win games is quite high. If there's a plan, I think they would try to trade him, try to get that draft pick sooner than later. But if the team continues to go in the direction they're going, maybe they want to bring him back to be there with the rookie quarterback in case they can't also find a receiver, although this upcoming receiving class is very deep. I just don't know if the value is going to be there for AJ, especially if he can't get back and he and he's not going to be back this week. He's, he just needs to play to rebuild his value and he hasn't done it so far. Next question comes from Andrew Brown's Dan account at Stemple Zachary on Twitter. So we have the fourth pick and we know Brown won't trade up to get Tua or Herbert. They both go top three. Chase Young is gone, the Ohio State defensive end. Do you go quarterback with Jordan Love or Eason, or do you get Thomas and then trade back into the first for a quarterback that slides, suggesting that perhaps Burrow, Eason, Love, or Hertz could slide? I think it's too early to answer on those names specifically. We don't know what any of those guys could be. If Burrow keeps this up against some of the better teams in the SEC, then he, there's certainly a chance that I'm happy to pick him at fourth overall. And the same could be true for for Love and Hurts to a lesser degree, but there's certainly some excitement there with the way Oklahoma quarterbacks have performed lately in the NFL and the promise of Kyler Murray. But I think what Zach's asking about here is, are they going to draft Andrew Thomas a tackle from Georgia or Tristan Wirfs maybe the tackle from Iowa? I would throw in... Also, Jeffrey Akuda, the Ohio State corner, and he's been crazy good this year. He's taken a massive leap forward. I would also consider a wide receiver here because that is an elite position, and maybe they feel like with Jonah Williams coming back, they can be okay at offensive line, maybe make some moves in free agency to get it done. I don't really know what I would do at that point. That is a tough spot. I probably would take the quarterback because I think risking getting your guy falling is just kind of a maligned approach that started them down the path they're on now where they got a guy who wasn't an elevator of talent. Maybe that's how you end up with Jake Fromm and Jerry Judy and you start over with your AJ Green and Andy Dalton 2.0 and you hope it just goes better. But aren't we sick of that experiment? Don't we want a guy with the tools that can make it happen? I think I do. So I'm taking a gamble with Jordan Love or Joe Burrow, whoever it is at that point. There's a lot of college season left, but I'm not taking a linebacker. I don't care how good Isaiah Simmons is. If I'm picking fourth, I'm not taking a linebacker. Depending on how you see it, the good news might be that the Bengals won't be in this position as they're currently projected to probably get the second overall pick. Last question comes from guy at AOL.com at SpookyJolder on Twitter. Will Billy Price replace Mike Jordan as a starter? Or what are the chances that Alex Redman plays? Does Tate or Willis step up as a number two with Ross out? Auden Tate and Jordan Willis are probably fine players, but none of them are going to do what John Ross did, the way that corners sat off him, had to respect his deep speed, had to prioritize him with the safety over the top. I think it's going to be very tough for the Bengals, especially to get anything vertical going without any speed in the receiving core. I think it'll be Auden Tate, though, getting most of the snaps, and they'll probably get Erickson in there in a rotation with the other guys, Willis and the other undrafted rookie whose name is escaping me, Stanley Morgan. 
Sounds like Jordan's still going to start this week to answer your other question, despite having, again, one of the worst weeks I've ever seen from a left guard. But Billy Price came in and immediately lunged and gave up a sack immediately, so it's not like he was much better in much limited playing time. Alex Redmond, sure, he has a shot. Why not? The guards are bad, and Alex Redmond, while he has penalty issues... He has a mean streak to him. We've talked about that before, and maybe they just want to try something else, but I don't think we'll see that unless there's an injury in the immediate future. Thanks for all your questions today. We hope you enjoyed some of the dialogue, some of the different kinds of questions we got. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode as we gear up for another game, and perhaps the Bengals will go out there and win one. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.